There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Mind Your Loaf, a podcast about taking action on your mental health. I'm Jason Byrne, and along with Irish mental health charity TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online, free to everyone in Ireland. And that can only be a good thing. This is part two of Paul Moore, psychotherapist, and he works in the Department of Psychiatry in Trinity as well. This podcast was so interesting, we had to have two parts. So this is part two of our part one. Enjoy the rest of Paul Burr. And so is, um, like, just, just to flip into uh, anxiety, which I just, I'd love to get your opinion on that, because that's another huge thing that people suffer from. Um, again, is, I know we're anxious about something that we're like, uh, we 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 can, I, I believe that when I get anxious, I'm definitely doing that to myself. And if I want to stop the anxiety, I can stop it. But I I don't notice it when it comes in, though. Do you know what I mean? I don't go, oh, I'm going to be anxious in ten seconds. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. be thinking about something. Next minute, my heart rate goes up. I can't breathe properly. I'm like, and next minute, I'm going, what? I'm I'm having a panic attack. I'm so anxious. Like, but is that what are we what are we setting off when that happens? <laughs> Do you remember I, I talked about the, the this, this amygdala structure okay. and and the hippocampus? So they're, they're actually two small structures in the in the midbrain, their mm. subcortical, um, and the hippocampus kind of regulates your, your thinking, calm mind, if you like, and the amygdala is the is the, the part of the the brain that, that amplifies fear and wow. processes emotion. Um, so in terms of anxiety, anxiety. There's there's two kinds of anxiety, okay. There's there's panic, and then there's what we call trepidative fear. So trepidative fear is about being being fearful of uh, an external situation that's that's threatening you, you know, that might kill you or might might damage you, mm-hmm. uh, and that's if that's more kind of fear anxiety. You know, there's there's a debate in the in in, in the literature and research around, around this. Panic is it, is, is, it, is it called, um, is it proper shitting yourself? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, like, part, that's, that's part of it, yeah. Exactly. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. And, and, part, and part of that system is to, <laughs> is to get rid of whatever's in the bowels uh, and to prepare you <laughs> yeah. for, for, for a fight or flight, yeah. Um, so we, we, have it, we have it for a very good reason. It's to yeah. protect us. Um, and so anxiety is not, not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's about... It's about learning what to do with the anxiety and learning maybe how to to use it in terms of uh, being able to to kind of recognize it, feel your way into it, hold it, and think about it. That's ideally what should happen, and that's where you get that sweet spot between the amygdala and the hippocampus, between acting or thinking, 
Um, so ideally, you need the optimal situation is where you can feel the fear, yeah. okay, and then think then think about a strategy to, you know, negotiate it in some way, or avoid it, or challenge it, or whatever. And there are many different versions of that. The other type of uh, emotion that's closely linked to anxiety is panic, mm-hmm. and, and panic is uh, associated with a different system in the brain which is the, what's known as the panic grief emotional system. And so it's involved in attachment, um, attachment behaviors. And we, we feel panic when we are separated from an, an attachment figure. So like, our, classic, like our mother or something? Or? Yeah, usually, usually our mom, yeah. And, um, and this happens to all mammals. Um, and the, we, have, we have a kind of a homeostatic set point uh, within our, our, our biology of uh, how close we need to be to our, our parents, particularly when we're young, um, because there's a, there's a huge kind of survival piece around that. Um, we're so dependent upon them, we move away from them. Um, we, it evokes in us what's called a, um, a separation distress response. Um, and that only kind of is active for a certain period of time. And then you, te- you tip into what's called a despair phase. Um, and the thinking, the theory around it is that in evolutionary terms, uh, when we were out in the, the savannah, yeah. we got separated from the from the tribe. Um, it was good that they knew we were left behind, but only for a certain amount of time. After that, it was no longer an advantage. Uh, mm-hmm. You were just signaling to predators that you were separated mm-hmm. from the pack, mm-hmm. and um, you were you were just announcing uh, your presence to them. But it's so not it, the- became, mm-hmm. it became more mm-hmm. evolutionarily adapt- uh, uh, adaptive to actually quieten down, to downregulate that system. Um, and that's linked into this idea of despair. Um, if, it's, if it's too persistent and pervasive, that kind of experience, that can, that can lead to th- these kind of depressive episodes as well, you know, that, 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 that constant experience of, of, um, of being separated from somebody and there being no hope of them coming back. And that happens. What's important about that is that that happens at a at a, at a very early stage in our development, or should, I should say, if that happens persistently at a very early stage in our development, it sets up a certain kind of template for the world and and in the nervous system, where this how you respond to that um, is um, is very much predicated on these or these early experiences, and that becomes a template then for romantic relationships. And, yeah, so you bring that like on that. into your into your yeah. life. Well, I mean, well, let's say for example, um, like my dad, like he uh, he used to always shout, used to shout and panic over things, right? He never ever did anything else. Like he used to go, "Don't do that, Jesus! Don't touch that! No, don't be at that." He'd be like that this whole time. So when I was a kid growing up, I would be afraid like to jump into the sea with my mates because I thought my dad, if I did anything wrong. Hmm. Uh, my dad had shouted at me hmm. and I took that on nearly yeah. all the way even yeah. now I'm 48 I still have a fear of doing certain things hmm. but the this, but the background bit is um, I think I'm going to get in trouble with my dad like that's basically the simplicity of it I think yeah, like yeah. if I oh my yeah. god okay if I go down if I get in that roller coaster and uh, it comes flying off the track I think my dad's going to freak out but like he's not it's like yeah. so is that the attachment thing you're talking about like that yeah that's, that's you bring on in. Yeah, yeah because like they're you know for a very significant portion of your your early life your parents for most people are your are your universe you know they're yeah. your world and you you kind of absorb the rules around the world um and what's what's really important about that piece is that 
it's primarily affective rules, not cognitive. So you don't you don't have the hardware to think your way through these things. No, but no. you you feel it. So you know your dad would roar, roar or shout at you, put the fear of God in you. Yeah, and, you know that's enough. Um, but you can't. Those systems are separate to your. Your, your cortical systems that can think and speak. So the, there's a distinction there between what we call de- declarative systems, which are cortical, mm. where we can talk about things, name things, and, and think our way through it. And then affective systems. So these these memory systems, and there's a whole slew of them, are completely unconscious. So is that why we have to be? Do we have to be so careful when we're raising our children? They're literally. We are sponges. literally. Se- yeah, yeah, we're set. We're setting them up. Yeah. Like, but yeah. loads and loads yeah. of people. I'm, I'm a dad as well. Yeah. I wouldn't be concentrating on every single thing I'm doing or oh, saying no, to my kids because, like, you yeah, you'd be going, either. Yeah. "Shit, what have I told them now? What have I told yeah. them not to do? What have I told them to do?" Yeah. You know, that, that's not good either. You know, and even when, okay. when you're talking about like, like, like words and you know, like complicated sentences with, with young kids, like that goes over their heads anyway. And what, only what, what really registers with them is the is the emotional environment. You know, and how you how you relate to them emotionally—that's the most important thing. But the, the, what what I want to say to you, Jason, is that yeah. these these systems, these these unconscious systems, memory systems, are online and working from before birth. Okay, but our our thinking systems don't come online till around uh, one and a half to two years of age, and even then, they're only in a very rudimentary form. So we we feel uh, and we ha- we let on emotional memories way in advance uh, before we can actually think or have the words to describe them. Now, that's where psychotherapy works, is in that space. Because those systems don't just stop there, but they're with us. They travel alongside the the cognitive systems throughout our our development and throughout our lifespan. But what what happens is that your, your responses, your emotional responses to situations, they get get automized. Yeah. Okay? So they become Correct. an automatic response to a certain situation, like, you know, jumping into the into the sea or something that <laughs> kind of risk taking. Yeah. You have you have a visceral response, an unconscious response to that. Okay. Mm. And that gets laid down and it's not accessible to thinking. You you can't pull it up and think about it. It's a separate memory system, completely wow. separate. So what therapy allows you to do, and this this can happen with trauma as well. So when, when, when people experience really traumatic situations, again, back to this system, the thinking system gets shut off and the feeling system and the acting system get privileged, as it were, um, and the, 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 the experience doesn't get recorded accurately. It's probably mm-hmm. the best way to put it. But what therapy can do is can uh, allow you to access the, those unconscious systems um, and put some thinking in around them. So it's a kind of a misnomer like the, 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 where people say, you know, you, you kind of recover or uncover uh, these, these repressed memories. In trauma and in early childhood, they're, they're not repressed in the sense that they've been pushed away or they just haven't been recorded. The hardware's not there to record them. And what therapy can do is can, can allow you to have a space where these uh, experiences can be recognized, these patterns can be recognized, um, the feelings attached to them can be can be experienced in a in a safer place, um, and a different kind of thinking can be so put in around it. In other words, that's what people might refer to as baggage. Like they're holding a lot of baggage exactly. there, and, exactly. and they just and they don't really know how to deal with exactly. the baggage. Exactly, and they just and so a therapy will yeah. teach them how to deal with the baggage, and so because as you say, a lot of people. Uh, 
I know a lot of people that didn't even know they had baggage. And they were yeah. just constantly feeling shit. And that's, like, that's, the way, that's the way those memory systems work. They're, mm. they're unconscious. So therefore yeah. you can't know about them. And, and particularly the responses that you develop to threatening situations um, are unconscious. So you can you can have a feeling response to a to a stimulus in 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 the in your current life, yeah. um, and have no absolutely no idea why you're responding that way. Uh, so that's, because that... and, and, and that's why the, the neuroscience of this is really interesting, because we we know from neuroscience that there are these distinct and what we call dissociable systems. They don't need each other to to work. They're separate systems, uh, and they don't communicate with each other. At all. That's no. I, that's amazing because no. I just thought that it was all no. in one big system. No, well, it isn't. It isn't a way. You, but it you runs parallel, a, kind of thing. You're saying. Yeah, that's a good way of, put it, of putting it. Um, and if if your your world and your experiences are mediated to you well enough by your caregivers, yeah. In other words, that they help you to put words and thinking on your inner experiences. To help you, which is what your therapist does. Um, mm. If that's done to a kind of a, a good enough extent, uh, people can cope with most things, you mm. know. But yeah. when when it's not good enough, when it's when there's neglect there or when there's abuse there, um, the, the 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 child doesn't have any chance of, you know, mentalizing these experiences. They 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 stay in these uh, non-conscious, what are also referred to as implicit memory systems but isn't, um, it, isn't it amazing though that something like abuse or whatever it 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 stays in you yeah. forever and uh, mm-hmm. and as you say there's there's um i've known people again who weren't sure if they were or not mm. but they're pretty sure they were but <coughs> yeah so so who's burying that are they burying that or you're just saying they're just not able to record it when they're that yes, young that's 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 how we understand it now. You know that it's it's not it's it's a difference between pushing something down yeah. and something being kind of split as it's mm. coming in. If you wow. like, you know. It's, so this idea of dissociation, you know, so people dissociating and that's common in, in people who've, who've experienced abuse. You know yeah. that the, to in some in some way to to survive it, you experience they dissociate their mind into another space. If, if, you, if you like, um, okay. And, and then the experience doesn't get processed, but um, the yeah, the, I mean the the the. the re- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply kind of significant thing about this is that as well is that when you look at there's a there's a, a kind of a a standard diagram of memory systems in introductory psychology texts and there's two branches and one is explicit memory systems which are conscious if you like and implicit memory systems which are unconscious we we have two major branches within the conscious system which is called dec- declarative memory and semantic memory so sorry declarative memory is 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 the umbrella term but it, within declarative memory you've got episodic memory and semantic memory episodic memory is is a memory for episodes that you were involved in things that you can say i 
I was there, I did okay. this, I did that. So things about you as a person. Mm-hmm. Then semantic memory is memory for facts, like Paris is the capital of France, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, they, these memory systems, the declarative ones, are the most recently evolved. They're, they're also the, the, the last systems to fully mature in human beings through, through their development. No okay, way. So they're not full, they're not fully um, they're not fully formed until we think now uh, late twenties, late uh, possibly thirty years of age, when these systems are fully fully functional. These declarative systems, these cognitive systems. That late, like nobody would yeah, think it's yeah. that late. We talk. Yeah. We, we, most of us think we're finished at nineteen, oh, yeah. twenty. Yeah, yeah, and it, it explains a lot of things for a lot. It of It doesn't. People. It? Look at all the lads, especially the lads. We're all going. I knew it. I'm not finished because, like, I have a 20 year old son who I just yeah. think he's probably not fully cooked yet. I know yeah. that's like, a, but yeah. look, we're I, look, we've been talking for ages, Paul. Yeah. It's like, it's like, but I, I need to get to just one other quick thing is because sure. you do deal with a uh, brain injury as well, yes. And, yeah. um, so just a question for you was when someone I know everybody suffers from when they when they actually do have brain injuries, they're all different types of cases, but. Mm-hmm. Is there, it, how does the repair work on the brain? Does, is, is that a thing? Like, let's say you damage 70% of your brain. Can you get any of that back? Do you know what I mean? Um, is that too broad a question? Because it's, it's all different cases. Is very there any way you could simplify that more yeah. down? Like, okay, maybe? so, yeah. I mean, it, it does depend on where the damage has occurred. So right. if the damage occurs, at, I talk with the cortex, at the cortical level. Yeah. You know, which might happen from maybe a kind of a traumatic injury. People might be lucky enough only to have damage to the cortical areas. The cortex is the most plastic part of the brain and it can rewire itself pretty, pretty easily with a lot wow. of help. You know, it's, it's pretty plastic. Now, if the, the, the brain damage might have its source in a, in a, in a stroke, which really can involve uh, structures in the subcortical part of the brain, structures that are close to the hippocampus that I talked about, yeah. um, they can, through, through pressure, they can they can kind of explode, as it were, um, cause a lot of damage in the tissue. They're much harder to And they're just constantly to, to bleeding repair. and stuff? Well, no, well. they heal. And there's, there's something like an 18-month period uh, 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 on which a lot of natural kind of organic healing can occur. Um, and then after that, a lot of intensive work, kind of cognitive rehabilitation work, can be can be helpful. But what's often not addressed, and there's not a history of it being addressed in in neuropsychology in general, but Ireland unfortunately is a bit behind the curve on this, um, is the emotional needs of the person, um, and that's where psychotherapy, and particularly the kind of psychotherapy that, that I uh, practice, uh, can can come in because it's not so the emphasis is not so much on the cognitive structures. Okay. The emphasis is on these these unconscious systems that I've just spoken about. Mm. Um, that they're most of them are still intact. Um, so because they're deep, because that's because they're physically deeper in there. Yeah, and they 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 come out maybe in the person's emotional response. You know, wow. so there's a way in which there's a way in which um, these patients um, can can use the therapist's mind, as it were. Uh, to, to make up like, for the like bits that are missing in their own. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Wow. You know? um, so, yeah. Um, well, well, there's, and, and I, I see another thing real quick, because my, my own grandmother, she got um, 
uh, now she she had uh, what you call Alzheimer's. Yes. So I I watch it because other people listening as well will have like people who are suffering from dementia or, and Alzheimer's and. Uh, I, I watched this amazing. You might have seen this program. It was called How to How to Stay Young. And just to summarize it quickly, it was uh, Angela Rippon that was doing it, and she visited an island in Japan called mm. I think it's called ok- Okinawa. Like it's yeah, o- okay, it again, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's got the most cent- centenaries uh, in the world on it. But they um, basically what the study was was that they were eating this this white vegetable, but it was a purple you know, root purple inside. So a purple yeah. food. They then found that they, their study was that a lot of purple foods helped uh, with Alzheimer's and, and uh, dementia. And yeah. then what they did was, and just see if you agree with this as well, they did a social experiment back in England with, with people of, you know, they weren't severely uh, suffering from dementia, but they were, they were showing signs of everything. So what they did is they got them into a social situation, made them play table tennis and stuff, laughing and talking and stuff like that. And then they mm-hmm. did other people who just kind of just stayed on their own in their house. Yes. And then they had other people learning guitars. So all the older people that had learned how to play guitars and socialize were starting to fire all their neurons again and their memory was coming back mm-hmm. and they were mm-hmm. starting to, Mm-hmm. To, to do amazing things where they were mm-hmm. told by doctors, no, they're totally, they're gone. They, they'll never be able to. So mm-hmm. is that a thing? Like people who think mm-hmm. they're like suffering, getting a bit doddery, as we call it. Is mm-hmm. that a good thing to just try and fire the neurons again with some sort Absol- of task? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the key thing there really is, is uh, community and social connection. We're, we're hardwired hard evolutionarily to be social and to be yeah. in contact with people. That's what lots of people are finding so really difficult about the, the COVID situation. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because we we actually, when we go back to this idea of, um, you know, kind of regulating our emotional systems. Um, we, we regulate, there's a way in which we regulate each other, you know, when we're in groups. Um, and we, we, we can't... Yeah, we make each other laugh and like it gets, yeah. ex- yeah, like, exactly. it's exciting. And we, yeah. And what, what being in groups, in social groups, allows us to do is to ab- and listen, there can be a negative side to this, but to abdicate individual responsibility. You don't have to worry about yourself. You know, yes. if you're in a if you're in a good group a good friendly group, mm. you know, you can you can kind of relax a bit and and that, that allows us to regulate our emotional systems. And again it allows us to, to bring online to down regulate if you like that kind of fear system, uh panic systems and it allows us to to open up that gateway into the kind of thinking mind again, to use to use that term, yeah. and that's what's happening, you know. And when, when you're when you encounter something new, there's a there's a separate uh, cir- emotional circuitry in the brain um, called the seeking system. Sometimes it's called the reward system or the wanting system, but we we tend to think of it now more as a, as a general seeking system. So it, it allows you to explore your environment and become really kind of activated and um, enthusiastic about things. It's the same system that's activated by cocaine, by the way. Um, right. So it's it's a general kind of interest system. That system underpins all other emotional systems. So it under, underpins the play system. It underpins, um, you know, this, um, you know, a good attachment system, fear system, love system. All of these these things are underpinned by the seeking system. Um, so it's it's so, good. To, so you're saying so your top tip there really is to try and socialize as much as you can, and yeah. like we all do, try and go and see yeah. our old parents. Yeah. We haven't been able to do it as much, yeah. but and as Irish people, I mean Irish people especially. Yeah. I'm not saying the rest of the world is any, but we are very sociable people as Irish people, and 
my own mother, like just to say during yeah. the COVID, uh, when dad passed away, she was on her own. I definitely noticed a bit of dodderiness, right? Yeah, only yeah, little yeah. bits, right? Yeah. Then my sister eventually moved in uh, and my mother is completely different. She doesn't forget anything anymore. She just asked me what I was doing, like bang, 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 because she's in a happy social situation again. Yeah. And like being being in in close contact to people that we love does release endorphins in us. And these endorphins, again, help to down-regulate these these fear systems and up-regulate our moods. Yeah. You know, and we, we, we kind of, we, we become more, more alive, more awake, more interested in things. Um, so that, that's a big thing about as well, about have people having interests, developing interests for themselves, yeah. you know, and constantly challenging themselves. Um, because that, that stimulation is what, in a way, what kind of keeps us alive, you know, being interested like, in things. And so, but uh, do you believe that vitamins help as well? Because I, I've got a load of vitamins out there and I don't know if they're a placebo <laughs> or what's going on. I, you know? I'm not sure, Jason. It's not. It's not my area. I don't know. I know. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I imagine just, it, it does link into that. You know your fish oils. Eat, eating. Yeah. Eating. Well, I think there is some pretty, uh, pretty good research around the fish oils. Yeah. Piece, you know. Um, and again, it's about uh, that might be linked to inflammation. So remember the study I told you about the toddlers and the cord yeah. and the cortisol and the enamel in their teeth. It's inflammation that causes that. You know. Okay. So it's these these inflammatory pathways that can. Um, you know, um, again, interact with your your your, your hippocampus and damp, dampen down its ability to think and work. You know? So um, basically, right? So, we'll, we're like, okay. So now I'm going to talk to you for nearly an hour, Paul. Which is oh, no. no, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just because like because what you deal with and what you do is like. I, I don't think there's any way to ever end how you can talk about this stuff. It just goes on yeah, and we, on and you open we, up another we, corridor. We probably should have had a conversation about that before we started. No, 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 this is brilliant. <laughs> I actually got nearly everything else I wanted to talk to you about. But yeah. just to summarise, like the best way to look after our brains, do you know what I mean, is, you know, what, what would you, you had your four pointers of, of looking after. I mean, like just to summarise, as I leave here, I'm walking out of your room, like what's good exercise for my brain now to keep me, Kind of steady. Uh, I, I might even summarise it further than that. Um, in terms of, I think one one thing that everybody could do is to become more aware of what feels good in their lives yeah. and what feels bad, and to try to get more of what feels good into your life and less of what feels bad out of your life. Now, I, that's easier said than done, but. I think developing the capacity, you know, to, to put yourself first um, and to, to really try to get, explore, um, discover what you're interested in and what makes you happy. And it's okay to be selfish. Absolutely. You know I mean? yeah. A lot yeah. of people think that's not a good thing, but it's okay yeah. to look after yourself. It's more, it's more than okay, it's necessary. <laughs> you know, yes. Then, then, then you then you can start to look after other people. You know. Yeah, it's like um, the oxygen mask, isn't it, on the plane? A little bit, yeah. That's the that's the whole the old cliched expression. Yeah. yeah. Is that? Well, look, Paul. Yeah. Thanks a million uh, for talking to me. Um, I feel like there's there should be a part two, part three, yeah. even drop into Trinity into one of the okay. lectures. <laughs> yeah. No, you're more than welcome, Jason. Anytime. Oh, you've been um, very good. Listen, yeah. Paul. Thanks a million, and. Uh, I mean, everybody listening in, that's just so much information and so, so, so handy.
Okay, that was Paul Moore. Thank you, Paul, for that amazing advice. So much stuff in there. It had to be in two parts. What a great guy. And now we all know how the engine works. We're all driving the car and Paul has just told us how the brain or the engine is working all the time. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for coming on. Mind your loaf. You have been listening to Jason Byrne and this has been Mind Your Loaf. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget, if you or somebody you know is going through a tough time, there is professional mental health support online from counselling to support groups, all available for free to anyone from Ireland at turntome.ie. Mind your loaves, everyone. Turn to Me provides professional mental health support. Ah, Jason, do your, uh, you know, your ad voice. Oh, yeah, I'll do the yeah, ad. Yeah. Okay, I'll do a proper ad okay. thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 Euros by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Euros. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60 service provider-like charity. Helpline 076. Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me. There. Adwanted UK is the provider of single source media data for agencies, media owners, brands, and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering called the Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more. Simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader from Adwanted UK.